Here's what happened with that last song. The minute that opening riff started, we automatically generationally divided the church. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you thought Phil was about to rap Ice Ice Baby. And then some of you knew exactly what he was going to do. My wife, look at her, she's laughing at her. You, you never knew that was a real song, did you? She, she, she. And see, you don't understand, me and Phil have a seven-year feud going. I'm just throwing all Phil's dirty laundry out there today. So about seven years ago, I wanted to do a rap song on Sunday morning. And I was going to bring in an outside person to do the rap. And Phil got so furious that I thought he couldn't rap that he got mad at me that I was going to bring an outsider in. So it's always kind of been our running joke whether or not Phil could rap. And I saw the look on your face. Some of you thought Phil was about to bust out Ice Ice Baby. So that was fun. Hey, it's Christmas time, man. Jingle bells, white Christmas, baby it's cold outside. I mean, Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song, Tis the Season, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and everything is great, and everything is wonderful, and we're so excited on paper. Really, the happiness of the holiday season is just this insane, crazy illusion that so many of us have. I love the holidays. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I've shared that with you. Man, I mean, when it starts to get Thanksgiving, I get excited. It's the week before Thanksgiving, and I'm asking Christine, man, when are you going to decorate the house? When are the ornaments coming out? When's the tree going up? She's like, it's not even Thanksgiving. I said, here's how that works. You decorate the whole house for Christmas. You leave the dining room for Thanksgiving. As soon as everyone leaves on Thanksgiving Day, you don't rest, even though you've been up cooking all night. Then you turn that room into Christmas. That's how it works. I get excited, man. I want to go look at Christmas lights. I want to do everything. I love Christmas before it gets here. And then my illusion of how awesome Christmas is, with 572 children in my house, with family coming from out of state, family that moving, like this year, my side of the family have all moved. Like my parents got this wild thing. My sister got this wild thing. Both of them moved out of their house. Now my sister has four children, and they all moved into campers. That's my family. Now you understand why I don't do a lot with my family. You know what I mean? They're like, hey, we're just going to live in, in campers and be nomads and explore. And I'm like, Awesome. And they're like, for Christmas, everybody can come up here. They're in Cleveland, and they're like, come up, and we'll sit around. I'm like, I'm not sitting around a campfire at Christmas time when it's cold outside. And just very quickly, my Norman Rockwell holiday fantasy turns into National Lampoon's Christmas holiday. <laughs> and while I love the illusion of Christmas, the reality is Christmas is this. It's one of the most stressful times of the year it's discouraging for a lot of people it's overwhelming for a lot of people it's frustrating for a lot of people as we deal with financial pressure we talked about that last week i told you that they say the average american between gifts traveling christmas parties all the things they have to do will add an extra twenty five hundred dollars to their budget during the christmas holidays you deal with a lot of depression during the holidays, those that have lost loved ones, those that have maybe had relationships end over the last year. It's just one of those things that it seems like those things are magnified during the holidays. 
Addiction. They say addiction's at an all-time high during the holidays. Again, it, it, you, you cope throughout the year, and life is crazy enough as it is, and you kind of learn to deal with the day-to-day life, but now the day-to-day life continues, but you're adding all the stress of the holidays and our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. They just go through the roof. And the holidays become very stressful. And instead of it being just a season for joy and happiness and giving, it becomes a season of financial pressure, depression, anxiety, stress, and all the subjects that we're covering this month. Because I really want us to get back to the heart of the season this year. And I do want it to be the most wonderful time of the year, man, because it is a phenomenal time. I mean, the reason for the season that God loved us so much that he sent his only son to live and to walk and to eventually give his life for you and I, that's an amazing thing. And it's a time where families do gather together, and it's a time that we celebrate, and it's a time that we just get to escape the other 11 months of reality and have just a great time during the holidays But in order for us to do that, we've got to get back to some biblical concepts. And we've got to learn how to deal with the stress of life in a biblical way. I don't want you just to survive during the holiday season. I want you to thrive this holiday season. Last week, we talked about financial pressure. Because again, we know that early on in the month, before Christmas, people are into that Christmas shopping mode. I didn't want to wait until it was too late. And if you missed out on that sermon, you can go to actionchurch.tv and you can listen to that. You can go to any of the uh, processes on your phone, whether it's iTunes or Google Play or whatever, and you can download that podcast for free. And we talked about how we deal with financial stress during the holidays. But today I want to deal with what might be one of the biggest issues when it comes about the holidays. It's one of the issues that every single person here deals with. Because not everybody here deals with financial stress. Not everybody here deals with issues like depression and anxiety. But every person here during the holidays, you can take it to the bank, baby, at least once. You're going to have to be around people you just don't like. Somebody say amen. I'm not going to ask you to name them because a lot of times it might be someone that's related to the person sitting next to you. It might be someone that you have to see every day at work, but you've come up with boundaries at work, but now you've got to go to the Christmas party and be around them, and you can't stand them sober, much less drunk at the Christmas party. Today we're going to talk about how do we deal with difficult people. And I intentionally saved this message for right here. I wanted it to be the second week because pretty much this week kicks in Christmas party time. This week kicks in get-together time, especially in the day of blended families and split families. You no longer have one Christmas get-together. You have 27 Christmas get-togethers. And now most of the time, both spouses in the home work, and so both spouses have Christmas parties for their work, and they have Christmas parties for their friends, and they might be part of this club or this group or that. Literally, our schedule starting last night for the next ever how many days, every weekend, we have some kind of get-together with people. And during those times, I can take it to the bank that I'm going to be around people that I simply don't like. And a lot of times those that I don't like are people that I'm related to. You can choose your friends, you can't choose your family. I'm very intentional during the course of the year on how much I allow certain people in my life around me. But no matter how hard I try, 
I can't avoid certain people during the holidays. And here's the deal. You might find this surprising if you don't know me, but if you do know me, you won't find it surprising. I'm not really a people person. Shocking, I know. I'm very big on one-sided conversations, meaning I can get up on stage and talk to a 1,000 people, and love it, you put me in a room with 20 people, and I kind of go into a shell, and I feel awkward, and that's not really my scene. Last night, we had to go to a Christmas party. Someone who's great friends with us, we love them, and we went, and I had convinced myself that no one was going to be at this Christmas party. Just what I did. Because that was the only way I could be excited about it. I knew it was important to my wife. And she, she gave me every option. She's like, you don't have to go. You can do this. And you know what that means, guys. You got to go. So we pull up. And there had to be 30 to 40 cars lining the road. Now I'm like, man, not only people that I might not like, because I don't know until I walk in, but people I don't even know. And I got to be friendly to people I don't know. You know, it's just weird to me. And, man, we've got to learn how to deal with different people during the holidays. Here's the deal. I love my family. I, they kind of become the butt of my jokes. Christine's family can't do that because they actually know how to listen to podcasts. My family is not really that smart, so they don't know how to listen to podcasts to go back and hear all the bad things I say about them. So they kind of become the, the brunt of my jokes. And I love my family, but they drive me nuts. They drive me crazy. They, they, they stress me out. Walking into most family gatherings is simply just not fun because you never know who's going to fight this time. I love to think about the old Norman Rockwell paintings and all the families sitting around the table and they're passing the plates. Maybe your family's like that. My family is just not like that. Most family gatherings include, you know, in my case, Uncle John. He's been drinking a little too much. He's that creepy uncle that you kind of avoid and you kind of tolerate, but you know at Christmas you can't, he's going to start drinking too much, and when he starts drinking too much, he starts running his mouth. And at first you try to ignore him running his mouth, but he keeps on running his mouth. And eventually, if you're wired like me, you eventually say, man, very nicely, you say something, but actually you realize it wasn't so nice, and then he gets fired up, and then you're fighting with him over the table, and then your mom's mad at you because you're fighting. I'm not saying that happens, I'm just saying hypothetically speaking. <laughs> it happens. And then you have that sister. Maybe you don't have that sister, but I have that sister who is better than everyone else. Everything she does is right, and everything you do is wrong. And she runs her mouth nonstop. And a matter of fact, like, you're parenting your own children, and she gives her input, even though she hasn't seen you since last Christmas. And you know, you tell yourself, just ignore it. Get out of here in an hour, and it's good. But you can't. Just ding around difficult. But then I have another sister who loves to go into way too much detail about her love life. Like literally we're at Christmas one year and she's talking about some things she had been through that maybe wasn't appropriate in her marriage. And like she didn't just mention it. She started going into detail about it. And I'm like, why are we talking about this around the table? Like I'm really confused. And her husband's just sitting there. And I'm like, this is awkward. You know what I mean? And, and then you have... The aunt, the condescending, does anybody have the condescending aunt in their family? You know what I mean? They compliment you, but they're really criticisms. Yeah. Honey, this casserole is almost as good as Jane's. <laughs> Instead of just saying it's good, you know, it's, it's got to be compared. You were so thoughtful to make this cake. Did it come from a box? 
you know. And then, I don't know about you, but I have a granny. So I'm country, you know, I got a granny. Some people got a grandma. Some people got a grandmother. I got a granny, and I love my granny. I'm a granny's boy. But the older my granny gets, like the crazier she gets. And she literally has no filter on her mouth. Two Christmases ago, we're sitting around the table, and my oldest girl, Ashlyn, she's 17, so she was 15 there, and she looked at Ashlyn, and she said, you are so pretty. That's shocking to me, because you were an ugly baby. <laughs> and you're sitting there like, my daughter's sitting there like, wow, well, thanks, you know what I mean? Like, you can't. And as much as you like to take your fork and stick granny in the neck with it, you can't. <laughs> you don't get to choose your family, you're stuck with them. No matter how difficult they are, no matter how much they drive you nuts, they're still family. And you can avoid them all year, but you can't avoid them during the holidays. The same goes for your coworkers. You know, the ones that drive you crazy throughout the week. As the holiday approaches, you know they're going to drive you more crazy. Sometimes you're just going to have to do life with difficult people. And you can literally allow other people to destroy your holiday season. Or you can learn how to deal with them. Because you can't avoid them. You can't go over them. You can't go under them. You can't go around them. You simply have to deal with them. And if there's been any area in my life that I've had to learn, it's this area. To the point that, man, it, it was a big bone of contention in my marriage for a long time. My wife dreaded family coming over. My wife dreaded her mother coming. She dreaded my family coming over because she knew that instantly I was going to be like, hey, it's cool because I got to say that it's cool. It's the holidays. But I was going to kind of go into jerk mode once they got there. I know it's shocking. And I'm not great at it yet, but I think I'm learning a little bit better. And as I learn to deal with difficult people and, and realize that maybe I'm not responsible for their actions, it's made my holiday season a whole lot better. See, you can either let these difficult people control your life and ruin your day, or you can learn some biblical principles on how to coexist with them. I love Romans 12. It's one of my favorite verses. In verse 18, it says this. If it is possible, so this is a chapter in the Bible about relationships. It's, it's an entire chapter in the Bible about how we live with other people. And it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on who? I hate that. Live at peace with everyone. Leave that up, Z. Small verse, big thoughts. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible. Before we get into how to deal with difficult people, I want to lay this out to you today. There's going to be some people in your life that you cannot live at peace with. You can try, you can work at it. But you're just, no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to coexist with these people. Paul understood when he was writing this. He said, when it's possible, we're to live at peace with everyone. And then it says, it's like he comes back and reiterates, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, you're not responsible for other people. 
You're not responsible for their gossip and Uncle John's drunkenness and your sister's love life and your granny's comments. You're responsible for you. But they did this. You're responsible for you. The Bible says every man will give an account for himself. We love to blame other people for our responses. But we're responsible for how we handle ourselves and how we conduct ourselves. Paul says we're, a, we're to do everything in our power. That means you won't always be able to live at peace with everyone. There are going to be some people you just can't live at peace with. I have some people in my life that I cannot live at peace with. I've tried. I've reached out. I've tried to be nice to them. And they just drive you crazy. I know that I can look myself in the mirror and I've tried to make amends. I, I, I can look myself in the mirror and know that I haven't done anything to instigate that or agitate that or make that situation worse. And at the end of the day, I just can't live at peace with everyone. One of the biggest lies in Christianity, listen to me, is that we all have to get along. Even Paul, who wrote this, didn't live at peace with everyone. Pretty cool portion of scripture. I don't have time to show it to you, but I'll give you a little back history. There was a time in the Bible where Paul and John Mark were going along and they're doing about the business of Jesus and they had a falling out. Um, check this out. They did not agree on something. You're not going to agree with everyone. <laughs> he had a falling out with John Mark, but what he didn't do was get on Facebook and bash him. He didn't get on Facebook and, you know, do his passive-aggressive thing. He didn't go around town dogging out Mark. They both loved Jesus. It was one of them situations, actually, we don't even know who was right and who was wrong. They just had a difference of opinion on what was next in their lives. And guess what they decided on doing? Going their separate ways. Amazing concept. At the end of the day, Paul looked, John Mark looked and said, you know what, we've done everything we can to coexist. We just can't. We both love God. We both feel a calling in our life. What we're going to do is agree to disagree and we're going to go our separate ways. There's times in life you have to go separate ways with people. There's times in life you've got to put your boundaries up that says, you know what, for me, I've done everything I can, but when this person's around, I just can't function right and I've got to have that boundary up. But we've got to know that we've done everything that's possible. We've got to know that we've got to be able to look ourselves in the mirror as far as it depends on us that we've done whatever we can to live at peace with everyone. As we're getting ready during the holiday season to deal with these difficult people, <laughs> I want to do everything in my power to show you from the Word of God how we go about it. Because here's what I dig about this book, and I say this all the time, but I mean it. God doesn't just tell us to do something. He tells us to do something. Then he says, here's how we're going to go about doing that. And I've never understood why in the church so many pastors are great at getting up and telling us what we shouldn't do. But they never go about the steps of telling us how to go about doing it, especially when this book lays it out. So God tells us, if it's possible, it won't always be possible. As far as it depends on you, it has nothing to do with the difficult person in your life. Live at peace with everyone. We're to carry ourselves in a way that glorifies Jesus. No matter how difficult that person is, we're to do everything in our power 
to bring peace to a difficult situation. <laughs> now, like I told you last week with financial stress, that's easy to say and real hard to do. I mean, it's easy for me to preach up here. I mean, if I was an old school preacher, I could get up here and be like, that's God, if it's possible, do it. Just do it. Kind of like a Nike commercial. Man, as much as it depends on you, just do it. And what you're going to leave here is being like, man, that sounds great. I'm going to live at peace with everyone. You're going to get in your car. You're going to turn it on. You're like, fire it up. And then you're going to see that person on Facebook and be like, crap, i got to see them in five days. I know what I'm supposed to do. How do I go about it? It's like telling that, just quit. Just stop doing it. And they're like, man, if I could, I would. God gives us the answers. He lays it out with some things. He throws some biblical truth on us. And here's the deal. This book is truth. The Bible says the truth shall set you free. Now, whether or not you choose to do what it says is on you and between you and God, but I'm going to give you some practical things today that I promise you will allow you to get through the holidays without killing someone. And that should just be our goal, right? Amen. Listen, I'm too busy to go visit somebody in jail. If you're going to kill them, wait till January. Let's get through the holidays. So how do we deal with difficult people in our lives? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to love others even when they're difficult to love. Somebody should take out their phone and take a picture of that. Bam. Because you're going to have to go back and find it. When the macaroni and cheese gets passed to you and some snide comment comes along, You've been eating a lot of mac and cheese lately, ain't you, boy? Getting a little bit big. <laughs> Got to love others even when they're difficult to love. Look what verse 10 says. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I want to do a series or even a sermon one day on the word honor. We always talk a lot about respect, and we say respect is earned. Okay, cool, I can buy that. Honor, though, is totally different than respect. Honor's not earned. Honor's given. You choose to honor somebody. You choose, to, the Bible says, we're to honor our father or mother. I was talking to someone this week who's dealing with some difficulties with their parents. And they said, but the, the Bible says I, I have to get along with them. I said, the Bible doesn't say any of that stuff. The Bible says you have to honor them. An honor is a choice you make. Someone earns your respect, but they don't do anything to earn your honor. You just choose to honor them. goes back, and I'm not trying to get political here, so let me make that very, very clear. But it's why we honor our government leaders. The Bible says we're to honor. That doesn't mean we have to agree with everything. Doesn't mean we have to like everything, but when we get on and we start dogging and bashing and name calling, there's no honor in that. Well, they, the Bible says we're to honor. And it says we're to honor one another above ourselves. It doesn't say we're to honor those that we like, those that get along with us, those who believe like us, those who look like us, those that we like to be around. It says be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. We're to love other people even when they're difficult to love. 
Now, you need to understand something. I've said this to you many times. The, the, the English language is a very non-descriptive language. So that word love is very important. You've got to know what definition of love that is. There's an eros love in the Bible. That's talking about a sexual love. There, there's an agape love in the Bible. And this is a phileo love. We get it from our word Philadelphia, which the city of Philadelphia literally means the city of brotherly love. Isn't that ironic, even though it's the city that throws uh, batteries at Santa Claus at football games? You know. So, so this love here is referring to a brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in love. God is saying that we're to love people. Listen to me. Don't miss this. We love people not based on their actions, but based on the fact that they are people. And people are worthy of our love. As much as my brothers and sisters drive me nuts, if one of them called me at 3 o'clock in the morning and needed anything... No questions asked, I'm getting up. If I had to get in the car and drive to Mississippi to pick them up on the side of the road because they're broke down, I'm doing it. Why? Because I have a brotherly love for them. I don't, when they call me and say, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, I'm not like, well, remember that time you did this? I don't even like you. I'm like, all right, I'll be there. My sister and I are not very close at all, but here's the reality of the situation. I'd do anything for my sister. Why? Because she's my sister. I have a love for her. And God's telling us that we're to be devoted to one another with that same type of love. See, our love comes with a price nowadays. We love someone if they do this, or we love someone if they do that. We love based on what we get. Hello. That's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. I said we love based on what we get. And God says we're to love just because they're people. God's saying we're to love people not based on their actions, but based on the fact that they're people and people deserve love. The Bible says in Mark 12, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He's saying love God with everything that you are, every aspect of what you are. Love him mentally, love him physically, love him emotionally, love him in everything. He says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We're to love people even when they're difficult to love. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I've learned that's a lot easier not to let people get under my skin what I've determined to love them unconditionally. Notice I didn't say I always like them. Notice I didn't always say I like them, but I choose to love them. <laughs> I make sure I see them when I make sure I see them where they are. It's easier to love them. It's so easy to look at someone and when they're going through something in life to get so frustrated and get mad and almost develop a hatred for that person. But there's times we've got to step back We've got to breathe, and we've got to put ourselves in that person's shoes. And even when you put that, yourself in that person's shoes, you might not agree with their actions, but you might just see them a little bit better. It's so easy for me to tell everyone else how they ought to do and how they ought to handle situations when the reality is I'm not in their shoes. 
I love to pick on my friend Alice. How many of you know Alice? She's my biffle. So I'm going to call Alice out. So I had a situation recently with Alice where she didn't like the way I was handling a situation. She was wrong. Because <laughs> she's Alice. And I was right. And she didn't like it. And then God and his sovereignty put her almost in the exact same situation. It was amazing how her perspective changed. And she found out I was right. You know why she found out I was right? Because she got in my shoes for a minute. And what she's going to learn is I'm always right, and the only way our relationship is ever going to work if she realizes I'm always right. And that's the way it goes. But even when Alice was wrong, completely wrong, not even remotely right, I still chose to love her even though she was being difficult. And because I chose to love her and her difficulty, God restored our relationship by letting her see she was wrong. Step back and look at a situation and ask yourself, I don't necessarily understand why this person is doing that, but, but this is going on in their life. And this is being handled in their life. And that's not the way I would respond, but I, I can understand why they're responding that way. When you step back and you love others, even when they're difficult to love, it begins to change your perspective. And it's not easy to do. Because here's the deal. We think about us. By nature, we're human. And by nature of being human, we're selfish. And so we think about how other people's actions affect us or affect others that we love. And I get that. But sometimes you got to step back. you got to breathe. Christine and I have been going through a little situation recently. We've had some curveballs thrown at us and some curveballs thrown at us. And she's been going through some things. And we've been talking and this. And then I take it personally. And finally the other day she said, you know what? Let me ask you something. She goes, could you quit being selfish? I hate that. I said, what do you mean I'm not being selfish? She said, you think the way I'm acting is because of you. It has nothing to do with you. The world doesn't revolve around you. She goes, have you thought about this, 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 how this affects me and this, and all that this is going on? I'm like, no. I was just saying she was being difficult to be around. Let me give you some advice, too. Learn from my mistakes. When you think your spouse is maybe in a stage in life where they're being grumpy, it helps the matter none to tell them that they're being grumpy. Learn from me. God has put me in your life to make mistakes and screw up everything where you don't have to make the same mistakes. If you think they're being difficult, just step back and decide to love them. Don't tell them they're being difficult. It isn't easy to love the unlovable. But here's what we need to understand. I'm about to rock your world with one statement. If you could grasp this concept... It would change so much about relationships in your life. It's not easy to love the unlovable. But loving is a choice, not an emotion. Love is a choice, not an emotion. My kids are not always the most lovable kids, and my emotions don't always feel like loving them. But they're my kids. I choose to love them. 
I'm sure once every five or six years in Christine's world, I'm not lovable. <laughs> but she chooses, drives me crazy. I just don't feel that love anymore. You're not always going to feel that love. But you choose to love. And when you love through difficulty and when people are being difficult, it's amazing how it will change how you deal with those people. We can love without liking. You need to understand something here. You can love someone even when you don't like their actions. You can love someone and still have boundaries in your life towards that person. Matter of fact, I think it shows more love to have boundaries. You can love someone and go to them and be like, listen, it's time for me to walk away from you. Because your actions are affecting me so bad that they're causing me harm in my family. But I love you. We, we have a misconception about what love is. We can love no matter what. And when people are being difficult, it's a lot easier to deal with them. When we just go in there with the choice that we are going to love. Second thing we're going to do. We're to pray for people. Even when they're difficult to pray for. How do we deal with difficult people? We're to pray for people even when they're difficult to pray for. Romans 12, we're going to be in Romans 12 nonstop. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Romans 12 is all about relationships. Be joyful in hope, painful in affliction. When those people are driving you nuts and they're difficult and it feels like it's just pain, we're going to be patient during that time. Because guess what? There's a time in your life someone had to be patient with you. And then we're going to be faithful in prayer. <laughs> As I'm reading this list, at first it seems a little too simple. Be joyful, be patient, be faithful in prayer. At first glance it seems pretty simple. But there's nothing simple about this. It's hard to be joyful when you're hoping the best for someone and they don't see it. It's hard to be patient when someone's actions are affecting not only themselves, but they're affecting you. We want everything in our timing and not God's timing. It's hard to be faithful in prayer when someone has you so angry. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. It's hard for me to pray for people I don't like. Not that I don't want to pray for them, but I'm just a selfish person. So what happens is when I'm selfish, I'm not thinking about the person. I'm thinking about how their actions are affecting me, and I don't want to pray for them. So that's not very pastor-like. I'm just being honest with you. It's hard to pray for people like that. Now, you're asking me to pray for someone who annoys me, who drives me crazy, drives me nuts, that I simply don't be, like to be around, and it's impossible. But that's what God tells us to do. We're to pray for our enemies. We're to pray for those that hurt us. We're to pray for those that are difficult. I, I can't explain it. But if there's probably been any area in my life that has changed my demeanor towards people... It has been grasping this concept 
There's something about praying for people that just makes it easier to be around them. I think it goes back to putting yourself in their shoes. Like I said, during the holidays, there's several people that I don't like. There's a family member in my life that I haven't spoke to in over a year. We don't get along. But this person's been going through some things recently that I went through about a year ago. And I have found myself praying for this person a whole lot more. And what it's done is it's softened my heart towards that person. I haven't been around them yet. But I know the holidays are coming. And I know it's going to happen. And three or four months ago, I don't think I could have been around them. But as I begin to pray for them, my heart begins to grow for them. I begin to feel their pain. I begin to feel the hurt they're going through. Even though a lot of it's self-induced, I still hurt for them. Because again, I've had a lot of pain in my life that was 100% self-induced. There's just something powerful about praying for difficult people. There's something powerful about praying for those people you just don't like. (laughs) I, I can't explain it, but it just... Your heart begins to soften when you begin to pray for people. (laughs) There's been times in my life that I begin to pray for those that are difficult. Those that maybe I feel have wronged me. Maybe those that have made so many bad decisions that I don't want to be around. And when I started to pray for them, I'm just being honest with you. I couldn't even utter their name. God, I pray for... And I couldn't even get their name on my lips. I did it day after day. And then, guess what happens? I'm able to utter their name. God, I pray for Kylie. (laughs) But I got to be honest with you. Now I can utter their name and I don't pray really well for them. I'm just using Kylie's example because I can see them there. God, I just pray that maybe you'd make him lose everything. You say, that's horrible. And and let me tell you how I justify it. God doesn't tell us how to pray for him. He tells us to pray for him. That's how I justify my own selfishness and sin. But then what happens is, God, maybe don't kill him. You know, maybe just break their leg. God, don't let him go bankrupt, but maybe let him miss a couple paychecks. And, And then what happens about a month in? God, don't let them miss any paychecks and let them be healthy. Then about eight weeks in, because I'm stubborn. God, I pray for their children. I pray for their miserable. I pray you'd bless them. And when you get to the point where you start praying for God to bless those difficult people in your life, those that have hurt you, those that you can't stand to be around, there's just a softening that begins to happen in your life. When you can start to want to see your enemies or those people you don't like, you want to see them thrive. This individual in my life, I have found myself praying for his marriage recently, and I want to see his marriage thrive. And when I hear that it's not going good, it's amazing. Again, someone that I really don't even care for, especially in the last year, but God's beginning to soften my heart in it. When I hear it's not going good or I heard it's taking a bad turn, I begin to feel horrible for that person. My heart begins to break for that person. Why? Because now I'm invested in their lives. 
I've chosen to love them even though they're difficult. And I've chosen to pray for them even though they're difficult. And now I want to see the fruit of my labor. And I want to see them thrive and survive. And I want them to get through. And I begin to rejoice when their life is going good. And it changes your demeanor. But you got to pray for those difficult people. Matthew 5, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's amazing how that goes about. Have you, how many of you ever tried to pray for your enemies? Be honest, you've tried to pray for your enemies. Now, how many of you say, man, that is hard to do? How many of you got past the point of it being hard and you were able to do it and you say, man, it really did begin to change my life with those people? Yeah, like 10 of you, that's awesome. I'm telling you, it will change everything. You'll start not being able to get their name out. Then you're praying for God to kill them. Then you're praying for God to bless them. And then all of a sudden, they're just not quite as difficult anymore. You see it begin to soften. This person in my life, I wouldn't even let them in my yard six months ago. Wouldn't even let them in my yard. Then I was like, they can stop by real quick, I'll leave. Now the other day, I was like, they can, come, they can stop in, don't let them get out of their car. But I'll stay here. I think the next step is probably they can come to the front door. You say, that seems really immature. I know it's immature. But I look at it as progress. <laughs> My goal is, is by Christmas Eve, to be able to sit at the table with them. And maybe even say hello and shake their hand. But it won't happen if I don't love them. And it won't happen if I'm not praying for them. And I don't know that this happened, but what if this person, because they feel the same way about me, so let me make that very clear. But what if they're doing the same thing towards me? They're deciding to love me, and they're praying for me. You know what I believe? I believe God restores something, and it'll be beautiful. Now, that won't change that. In that person's mind, I'm difficult, and in my mind, they're difficult. But we can coexist, and we can actually thrive together. Why? Because as much as it depends on me, I'm not responsible for them. I'm responsible for my actions and how my actions affect my wife and my actions affect my children and my affection or my actions affect the family around me. So you begin to take the right steps. I'm not responsible for them. If that person never chooses to pray for me or look at me or like me, guess what? I don't answer to God for that. I answer to God for how I handle the situation. And the day you grow up and you start taking your responsibility in dealing with difficult people, you'll find those difficult people a whole lot easier to deal with. We're going to love difficult people. We're going to pray for difficult people. And this one's super hard. We're going to be a blessing to those who are difficult to be around. Romans 12, we ain't left it. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. God's killing me here. <laughs> Remember, our, our, our text verse said we're to live at peace with all people. When it's possible, as much as it depends on us. God never said it would be easy. He said we're to do everything in our power. Then because God's so awesome, he tells us how to go about doing that. And here he's basically saying, you know what you do with difficult people? You out-nice them. When they're being a jerk, you bless them. When they're talking smack, 
you bless them. When they're trying to push your buttons, you bless them. When they hate you for no reason, you bless them. It's amazing how hard it is to be difficult to someone who's being a blessing to you. You want to deal with that difficult person, be a blessing to them. I always tell couples all the time, it's hard to argue when only one of you are arguing. Takes two. Takes two for a situation. Yeah, but they did this, and they, you're not responsible for that. You be a blessing no matter what. <laughs> There's people that attend this church today who will tell you 10 years ago they were horrible to me. They'll tell you that out of their own mouth. There's people in this church who will tell you that 10 years ago, they will tell you straight up, they abandoned me in my darkest hour. And those same people will tell you that three or four years later when their life was falling apart, and I'm not sending this to brag on myself because there's a lot of times I didn't do this, but in those situations, when their life was falling apart, I reached out to them. I was a blessing to them. I said, whatever you need, I'm there for. And now our relationship's tighter than ever. Why? It's hard to be difficult to someone who's being a blessing to you. I'm not responsible for their actions. I'm responsible to mine. We're going to be a blessing to those around us. The Bible says in Romans 12, man, Romans 12 is thick. You ought to get in there and read it. Do not be overcome by evil, but you overcome evil with good. Our natural reactions, they're being a jerk to us, I'm going to be a jerk to them. They're being an a-hole to me, I'm going to be an a-hole to them. They ripped me off, I'm going to rip them off. They lied about me, I'm going to lie about them. I'm going to expose them. And God just says, we overcome evil, we're good. See, that's hard for us because our natural instinct is so separate. But we don't operate in the natural, we operate in the supernatural. And when you're walking in the spirit, he will give you the ability to do this. And it's amazing how it comes about. <laughs> Next thing we're going to do, i got to get through this quick. We're going to stay humble. Woo! I'm really, believe it or not, in my walk with dealing with difficult people, I've actually got to the stage in my life where I'm good with the first three. I can love them. I can pray for them. I can even be a blessing to them. I have not got to the point in my life where I can stay humble towards them. Romans 12. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Leave that one up, Z. I know none of you struggle with ego. I kind of do. I'm bad about it. I get a little cocky sometimes. A little arrogant sometimes. And when I get around people that are difficult, my natural reaction is to swell up a pride and not be the bigger person. And God says I'm to do the opposite. He says I'm to stay humble. <laughs> he says go out of your way to associate with people who are pain in the rear. Instead of walking around like I'm too good to talk to them, which is what I'll do. I'll walk around the whole family dinner the whole time. I'll make sure I walk by them. I'll make sure I never shake their hand. I'll make sure I never let their welcome in my house. But that's really just me being cocky to say, look at me, I'm the bigger person. You know what they did to me. And the rest of the family be like, man, but Gary overlooked it and let them in the house. 
I did, and then I was an a-hole to him the whole time. And that's not what God wants. He wants us to stay humble. It, it, what happens with those difficult people is we pray for them and we do all the stuff, but then we sort of delight in the fact now that they're in the wrong and we're in the right. It's hard. You have to stay humble to deal with difficult people. You have to stay humble and remind yourself, but by the grace of God, so am I. One bad decision, one bad move, and I'm right there in their book. I'm right there in their situation dealing with what they're dealing with. Look what the Bible says about prideful people. The Lord mocks the mockers, but he's gracious to the humble. We get into this situation where we're so prideful that we almost delight in their misfortune, do we not? Look at my marriage thriving and theirs ain't. <laughs> what they get. But I'm praying for them. Wow, we're just arrogant and we're cocky. When it's dealing with difficult people, we've got to stay humble. Realize it's not about feeding our ego. And that's hard. They say a church normally will have the personality of the pastor. That's what they're drawn to. So at this church, man, a lot of people have my personality. They're smart alecks, they're very entrepreneurial, and they're very uh, loyal, and they very much hold grudges, and they very much seem to be cocky. It's just the way it is. So, like, I feel like when I say we got to stay humble, I'm talking to all of us, we got to stay humble. Don't lie. That, that person who did you wrong four years ago, you've been praying for them. You've been loving them because it's easy to love them because you ain't got to be around them. If you had to bless them, you'd bless them. Because you'd bless them because it'd feed your ego. And you know what I did for them, even though they did this to me. Oh, their marriage is falling apart. <laughs> That's what they get. That's not staying humble. Oh, their marriage is falling apart? Man, I hate to hear that. That breaks my heart. I've been there. I've done that. I mean, I wish, I wish this would get fixed. And when you're staying humble, it leads you to want to love them more and pray for them more, and want to bless them more. It's hard with difficult people, but our arrogance takes over. Swallow your pride and do what you can to reach out to those that are difficult. It's going to happen during the holidays. You're going to be around them. Can't go over them, can't go under them, can't go around them. You've got to deal with them. So you can make the whole family Christmas dinner that much more awkward, or you can be the bigger person. Lastly, and I'm done, we're going to let go, and we're going to let God. We want to handle situations. Somebody say amen. amen. They're difficult, and I want them to go through X, Y, and Z. That's what I think would be justified. Somebody say Amen. And when they don't go through X, Y, and Z, they haven't paid the price that I deemed necessary. I am so glad God doesn't make me pay the price that so many people deem necessary. You got to let go, and you got to let God. Romans 12, we ain't left the chapter the whole morning. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Human nature is to deal with difficult situations ourselves. 
And God says, let me handle this. I found out that God has a whole lot better way of handling things than I do. Let me make this clear. God won't handle things the way you think they ought to be handled. God handles situations. See, we look, don't miss, oh, I need to preach this sermon. We look at discipline as punishment. Anytime God talks about discipline in the Bible, it's for correction. We want to see people suffer, and God wants to see people restored. We want to see them go through hell. And God says, I want them to live the life that I created them for. Yeah, God, but they did this, this, and this. Aren't you glad God don't come back and say, yeah, they did. And you did this, this, and this. We love forgiveness for ourselves. We hate it for other people. I tell people all the time, we don't serve a just God. And we ought to be glad we don't serve a just God. You don't want what you deserve. Maybe you do, I don't. We serve a loving God. A grace-filled God. And we want God to restore us from our mistakes. But we want our enemies to suffer. God, we're hypocrites. When you let go and you let God, when you begin to pray, when you begin to love, when you stay humble, when you bless, it's amazing how God will change your outlook towards those people. (coughs) Don't miss this. That doesn't mean they might become part of your life again. Some people don't need to be part of your life. Some people's actions have eliminated them from being part of your day-to-day life. But what it does is it does it releases you from them affecting you every day of your life. See, we think forgiveness is for that person. It's not for that person. It's for us. We're the one who's reliving it every day. Guess what? Newsflash for you, baby. They ain't thinking about you. This person in my life who's difficult, they got so much going on in their life, I guarantee you, they don't ever think about me. But for the longest time, every time my wife was on the phone with them, or their name was mentioned or whatever, I thought about them. They affected me. In the process of affecting me, they affected us because I allowed it to. Now I see this sermon playing out in my life, and as the holidays approach, I'm going to be around this person. Uh, I feel like God's got this. I've decided to love this person no matter what. Now, again, I'm not bragging because there's a lot of situations I haven't done this in. But in this one, I, I've prayed for this person. I've prayed for God to bless this person. I hate seeing this person going through what they're going through. I've tried to stay humble and not be arrogant and be like, (laughs) yeah, didn't feel that way when I was going through it. Instead, I'm like, man, I hate that they're going through it. And I've let go and I've let God and letting God work in this situation. I see a transformation happening in this person's life and it's pretty powerful. How do we deal with difficult people? First thing we do is we love. Then we pray. Then we bless. 
then we stay humble, and then we let go and we let God. Going to be around that drunk uncle soon. Going to be around that co-worker you can't stand real quickly. Going to have that family get together real soon and all them people that you know talk smack about you are going to be there. Are you going to let it ruin your holidays? Are you going to be a shining example of who Christ is and what Christ has done in your life? And you're going to repay evil with good. But what if it doesn't change them? Goal is not to change them. Goal is to change you. As long as it depends on you. As long as everything's in your power to live at peace with everyone. Every man, the Bible says, must give an account for himself. You're not responsible for them. I've just never sat back and... Yeah, that's your problem. You've never let people sit back and talk crap about you or hurt you or do whatever. I'm just a doormat. You're not a doormat. You're just letting go and living the life that Christ lived. And it's amazing how it will transform your life. I preach a lot of sermons in this church just because they're biblical sermons. This is a biblical sermon that I've lived out in my life, especially in the last year, year and a half. And I'm telling you, it works. Because God's not a liar. He's truth. Difficult people come along. you got to deal with them. We're responsible for how we act, not how they act. 